Welcome back, coffee lovers. Welcome back to Brewing Crime. I'm Britt, and Nikki is not joining me because today is my state series. If you haven't listened to any before or are unaware of it, my state series is a series that I do alone. Um, I apologize, you're going to hear Han probably playing with his bone in the background. But today I am doing Arizona. And so what the state series is, is it's kind of self-explanatory. I'm obviously doing a crime in every single state and I'm going in alphabetical order. And yeah, so this is, we're on Arizona. Um, tonight, I'm actually recording a lot later than I normally do, which is... Normally I record probably at like four or five um, because I think that's most of the time where it works best for me and Nikki. But um, today uh, it's just me, so I've been doing things, being very, very productive. But because it's so late, I'm actually not drinking coffee. I am actually drinking tea. It's lemon zinger tea. Um, delish. And there's actually no caffeine. Um, the caffeine part has nothing to do with it. I just really like the flavor of lemon and tea. So yeah, so today I'm going to be talking about Travis Alexander and Jody Aries. So if you are not aware of that case, um, where were you between 2008 and 2013? I do not know because I remember of the constant media coverage on this case. But yeah, so it's a good one. And, it, and it's kind of different because normally... Um, a lot of my cases are unsolved, but this one is solved. They know who did it, somebody was convicted, and is living out a life sentence. But at the same time, I just, I don't know, it's just a really good case. Okay? So, thank you for listening to that very boring intro. And I'm going to get to the case. Keep on listening. This is the case of Travis Alexander. He died at an extremely young age of 30 years old. He was a known member of Latter-day Saints, also known as a Mormon. He was a salesman and also a motivational speaker. On June 9th of 2008, Travis's friends were unable to reach him for some time at this point. And that was very much not like him, so he had a really good group of friends, and they decided to go over to his house to see if he was there. They talked to his roommate, claim, and his roommate claimed that he hadn't seen him for multiple days, but just assumed he was out of town, because like I said, he traveled quite a bit for work. They found a key to Travis's master bedroom and proceeded to enter. That's where they found the very large pools of blood in the hallway. They followed the blood trail and came to the gruesome scene where they found Travis's lifeless body in the shower. Of course, the group of friends called 911 and waited for police to arrive. Just like any scene where somebody has been murdered, Travis's home had become an active crime scene. Police got to work and started collecting evidence. Upon some of that evidence was a bloody palm print on the wall of the hallway. Also, a damaged camera was found in the washing machine. And also a 25 caliber gun shell casing was found as well. The scene was very gruesome. And you could tell that there was 
there was a lot of passion behind this. Upon the multiple blood, just Travis's body alone was just in disarray. He was stabbed 27 times, shot in the brow, and his throat was cut. His throat was cut so deeply that his voice box and arteries were cut out. It's unclear by the examiner of the exact injury that causes tra- caused Travis's death, but the overall reason behind it was blood loss. He also had defensive wounds on his hands. Now, obviously, we all know when, when something like this happens, friends and families are questioned, and most of the time, those are the people who are the number one suspects, the ones closest to the victim. Travis's friends and family were questioned, and they were asked if they knew anybody that would harm Travis in any way. A name that kept coming up was Travis's ex-girlfriend, Jody Aries. Some friends and family didn't really know about Jody, and this is because of his religious beliefs. Now, in no way am I putting down Mormons or anything, have anything to do with the Latter-day Saints, but if you knew anything about them, then you would know that they have very strict rules. One of them is celibacy until marriage, not drinking coffee, no foul language, no gambling. Side note, I could never be a Mormon, not drinking coffee? What? What is going on? But in all seriousness, that was one of the main reasons why a lot of his friends and family didn't know about Jody because she was kind of his secret. Because one of those, the first rule that I mentioned was celibacy. And if you don't know what that is, that's no sex until marriage. Now, Jody and Travis met in 2006 at a work conference. They lived in separate states, but they proceeded in a long distance relationship. The couple dated from February 2007 until June of 2007, before Travis ended the relationship. They continued their sexual relationship, but the overall relationship was over. Well, for Travis, not really for Jody. Friends and family claimed that she stalked him. When he did eventually did start dating other people, the girlfriend claimed that they got threatening messages, that his, that Travis's tires were slashed, and he even told friends on the week that he died that he thinks that Jody hacked his Facebook and email. On June 17, 2008, now I'm throwing out a lot of a lot of dates here, so I will go over the timeline just to kind of wrap it up because it can get confusing. But only, basically, only a week after Travis's body was found, June 17th, Jody went to the Mesa Police Headquarters in Arizona, where Travis lived, to be interviewed at her own free will. She also gave her DNA sample without any hesitation. So it came off as very, is very good, you know, in her eyes. You know, she claimed, she's posted on her Facebook page, pictures of him saying, I'll miss you, my friend, blah, 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 blah. On his phone, there was multiple messages that she left after his death. Well, before he was found, I should say, of her telling her what he's doing. And obviously they were in communication. She explains that they did date but now they're just friends. They're really just buds, but they did communicate. And sometimes they did have a sexual relationship, but she claims that they hadn't seen each other since April of 2008. Now, I'm going to kind of bound, go backwards. Do you remember that broken camera that was recovered in the washing machine? 
while the DNA was being processed of Jody compared to the DNA that was found in the that was found at the crime scene, the pictures on the camera were recovered. And this is what put police at a standstill. Because as the police were flipping through the pictures, they knew that Jody was obviously lying about her whereabouts. She claimed she wasn't even in the same state at the time of his death. Unfortunately, the camera didn't lie, okay? Because there was pictures, explicit pictures of not only Travis, but also Jody. Uh, and it was timestamped on June 4th. So as they're going through, obviously they were taking video, they were taking pictures of them having sex and they were having fun. As the camera started going and the pictures started flipping, the last picture that was captured was the same exact position that a few days late prior that Travis's friends found him in. That camera accidentally captured Travis's lifeless body. And it was only time-stamped a few minutes after the last picture of Travis, where he was very much alive. The bloody palm print that was found on the wall contained DNA. Obviously, it contained Travis's DNA, but it also contained Jody's. To make matters very much worse, within that palm print, there was a piece of hair that also belonged to Jody. So at this point, everybody knows that not only was she lying, but that she obviously killed Travis, right? So the next month in, in July, Jody was arrested and booked on suspicion of first-degree murder. Jody entered a non-guilty plea at her arraignment. Now, if you know anything about courts or you pay attention to anything as far as crimes or anything, it takes a while. So she basically sat in prison waiting for trial, waiting for this all to happen for a year because nothing really came of it till 2009 where she changed her story. This whole time, she was claiming she wasn't there, she wasn't there, she wasn't there. Even though the evidence said she was very much lying. In 2009, she changed her story to admitting that she was present was present at Travis's home when she was murdered, but claimed that it was a home invasion. She said that a man and a woman came and dressed in all black, came with equipped with a knife and a gun, and somehow she was spared. She didn't call police in fear that the tr- intruders would find her and kill her. Now, in this time, I, I don't understand how she would think that that, I, I don't get it because all of the evidence was there, so how she thought that that would be okay, I, I don't understand. But in 2011, two years after, so this is not, so that was, so the timestamp that she had her first, her first story is that, nope, she wasn't there, hadn't even seen him in months. Second story came out a year later that it was that she was there, but it was a home invasion. And two years in 2011, she changed her story once again, again, and claimed that she was a victim of abuse and killed Travis out of self-defense. She tried to per- portray him as this sexual deviant individual that claimed her as a sex slave and was very angry and had a temper and abused her mentally and physically. Now, if I don't if you've ever spent any time or read anything about a battered in spouses, partners, whatever it may be, you know, when you're under somebody's control, it's really hard to get out of that, right? So 
for so many people, I think for when when you hear when I heard this at least, I, I really I really connected with it. I have a lot of compassion for it because uh, people who are very close in my life have been a part of that, and it took years of them to get out of this physical and emotional relationship. But unfortunately, she just took it to a whole nother eighty. Now it, it's kind of it, it it's hard to believe that that is even true, just based of the fact that he's dead now. Right, So at the end of this, she knows that she's going to get convicted. Well, uh, well, I think that she was really hoping not to because she has done multiple, multiple interviews. And, you know, it, this case was so publicized. The politics behind this was insane. I remember my mom and my aunt watching Nancy Grace pretty much every night and just talking about Jody, Jody, Jody. Now, she ha- she, Jody fully believed that she was not going to be convicted. She would, she would say over and over again, the evidence is there, I, 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 I killed in self-defense. The problem with that is that the coroner, the coroner, coroner, <laughs> the people who examined his body and his wounds, they determined that the gunshot came first and the 27 stab wounds came afterwards. Now, Jody, in, in return of that, Jody claims that she dropped his nice camera because we know from the timeline, we know that we know what was happening. They, we know that they were having sex. They were taking pictures of each other. And she claims that she dropped his brand new, very nice camera and he got so angry and he, he came after her. She remembered that he had a gun in his dresser and so she ran for it and there was a struggle. She said that she has absolutely, she had no intention of killing him and just the gun went off. She says that she does not remember stabbing or anything after that. The problem with that is that, like, you you know, you didn't just stab him once or twice. You stabbed him 27 times, including in the face and in the heart. There was a lot of crying, a lot of passion in this. Which is quite strange because if you if you know anything about crimes now based off of genders and which which gender pr- uh, likes to kill in certain ways, most of the time women don't like to use knives in a crime, if that makes sense, because it's too close for comfort and it's too personal. And women, it, it is proven psychologically that women don't like to do that. Blah blah blah. We're more emotional, so on and so forth. So obviously there was a lot. There was something going on, right? Now, the prosecutors are portraying her as a very jealous girlfriend, which the thing is, and I'm not saying that in any way does Travis deserve, he didn't deserve to die. Of course not. Nobody deserves to die, especially in that manner. But he also played the game, you know. Now, and this is the thing. She trying to portray him as this this sex deviant. I, I hate it when people say that. You just had kinky sex. So what? Yes, he was a Mormon. Yes, he was going against his vows and what he portrayed to other people. But that doesn't make him a bad person. You know, because it's very much, because they have evidence. Um, I guess they have exchanged over 82,000 sex text messages and pictures and videos and so on and so forth. I'm not judging by any means. And I'm not even claiming that she, that she, I, it's just really hard to go with the story that she didn't like it at all. Cause she said every chance she did have a, she had a chance to get away. You know, they didn't live together. They lived in separate states. She lived in California. He lived in Arizona. You know, she was the one that kept coming back. And once again, I don't take this as me trying to say that she, that her claiming that 
her being an abused victim that it was her fault or whatever or even that's a lie I'm sure that it's maybe maybe it isn't a lie but at the end of the day sis you killed him okay so throughout this you know in 2013 is when the trial really began and she stuck to the story that she he was emotionally abusive and physically abusive and blah 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 she claimed that he would use her as a sex toy and that he was very possessive of her and unfortunately that didn't really work because on may 7 2013 jody aries was found guilty on the first degree murder sentenced to life without a possibility of parole now after after that sentencing the death penalty death penalty was on the line now it was recorded that in this time that she even wanted the death penalty but then she went back on that it wasn't on record essentially she just said it and she claims that she said it in a way of trying to be that she would much rather die than have to live with the live with this but she took it back now she was she was she's not on death row that got drawn out she has appealed multiple times and right now she is in a maximum security security prison and she is living out her life in prison in arizona now it's so i've watched plenty of interviews of jody and it's just kind of really sickening how you can tell that she's putting on such a facade in such a just a persona like it's just she wants to be viewed a certain way and now i get it she her case was so publicized like i said that i can understand that she wants to be portrayed the way that she wants to be portrayed but at the same time then just be yourself. You could tell that she's she's thinking about every single way to say it and it's just you can just tell that she's essentially a con man. One of the last interviews that I watched of hers, she kept talking how she was so offended that the the concept of being of the crime being premeditated kept being brought up and she was so offended by that. Now, evidence shows of the timeline that she actually so she rented a car on June 2nd to come down right so she 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 left her house and she traveled from Redding, Redding California and then she came to Arizona on June 4th that is when she arrived at Travis's house the problem with that is a few weeks prior she lived with her grandparents in California a few weeks prior there was a home invasion and upon that home invasion a few things were stolen and one of those was a 25 caliber handgun the same kind of handgun that was used to kill Travis the thing that's suspicious about that is the handgun that was that was used to kill Travis the one that she claimed that was his was never found so it it just proved and then the, and on top of it the lies and lies and lies because after she left his house it had to be at June 4th right because on June 5th she she went back she she stopped in Salt Lake Utah as she was going home and she visited a one-time lover friend and this man claimed that Jody's once blonde hair was now colored brown and she also had cuts all over her hands now if that doesn't sound suspicious now hey listen I dye my hair all the time I get it but at the same time, it seems very suspicious and that the lies upon lies that she had, that obviously she was trying to change her, her appearance, that she wasn't trying to be seen, the cuts, everything points to Jody doing it and knowing that she was doing it. Now, maybe it was a crime of passion and she didn't mean to. Maybe it was out of self-defense. But her actions afterwards say such a different story.
hope you enjoyed that episode. To me, it was it was a good it was really actually interesting and fun to research it, and I mean fun in the most lighthearted way. I really do enjoy reading cases, but you know this case, I, it's kind of weird just because I remember when it was happening, and it's just a really interesting case. I really appreciate you listening to our podcast. I'm going to continue with my series and I'm still going to try to convince Nikki to have a series of her own. Unfortunately, she is actually going to be leaving me and moving back to the States here in a few months. I'm so brokenhearted, but that does not mean our this podcast is going to end. We have abilities to be able to record with each other, even though I will be staying back in Europe and living um, across the pond from her. So we're still going to, we're not going anywhere, people. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please, if you're on Apple Podcast, please, please, please leave a review, five-star review. Let me know that you love it. If you have a recommendation for my state series, leave it in the comments there. I read all of them. I notice, I look at the stats of my podcast every single day. I'm always very active. So thank you again so much for listening and I will see you again. See you later, coffee lovers.